Is it what Elsa is like? Elsa is princess, but she's a fighter? Maybe. Who's Elsa? Is that mermaid? Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Welcome to What Should I Watch? A podcast to learn about interesting and inspiring Korean TV shows, aka Korean dramas. I'm your host, T, and every week I help a guest with what to watch next. I, th- I like characters who I don't necessarily understand. Wait, what? what is going on? That makes me want to watch more, you know? Why do you make your life so complicated? Let it go, let it go. That should be my mantra, let it go, right? Welcome to What Should I Watch? I'm your host, T, and I am joined by my host, co-host. Co-host, yes. I'm G, I'm Grant. Hello, everyone. No, it's funny you said co-host because I ran into Mary and she said, oh, hey, I'm back. How's T? It's the first thing she said. How's T doing? Wow. I said, I said, I don't know. You have to, <laughs> you should call her and ask her <laughs> since you're back. Yeah. She's been in Mexico visiting her family. Yeah, so, that's yeah. really cool. I'm going to have to text her and see what she's up to, what her schedule is. You gotta get the uh, mobile studio going again, huh? Oh my god, it's so hot. I yeah, I have to think about some other ways to do it. Yeah. I don't think you know, like you're not supposed to leave your dog in a car in yeah. the summer or when it's hot. Like, yeah, I'm sure. That's how it's gonna be for you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't leave the host in the car. <laughs> don't leave the co-host in the car. <laughs> Break the window in emergency. Yeah, I could see the news headline. These people, they left their co-host in the car until someone finally noticed and broke in the windows and pulled them out. Uh, I started watching... Um, oh, man. Am I going to remember the title now? Extracurricular. Yeah. Yeah, I start, I watched the first two episodes. It so, sucks you in, right? <clears throat> yeah, that was really, really good. Really different, too. Because uh, I'd been watching, still watching Reply <laughs> 1988. <laughs> yeah. I've been so busy, I haven't spent much time watching television. But I mean, it's funny because the, the characters in Reply and Extracurricular, they're about the same age. So. Yeah, that's true. But so different. It's about 30 completely years different. apart. Yeah, completely different. 40 mentality. years apart. <laughs> and that's what happens. Yeah, that's, that's good. I didn't think about that. It is. It's like 40 years difference. Yeah. But yeah, I was, it was surprising. The show is surprising. I think um, it's just, yeah, it's kind of unexpected. It brings you in. You're kind of rooting for the guy, but then you're also like, oh, come on. He's just, you know, making mistakes. And then this girl's really smart. And then the dad. And, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, that's where I am so far. I kind of, you know, after we recorded last week, I remembered that I, you know, left out the big part of the show. Yeah. Which is like, you know, the key is that this kid, the boy, he's not a bad kid. I mean, I mentioned it a little bit, but I don't think I said it enough that the kid is not a bad kid. 
and you can tell the way he interacts with the girl and like other you know school yeah. kids and he's right. very like reserved and almost like so awkward and you know he's a good kid at heart yeah and that's what kind of contrasts with his behaviors and what he does to make money you know i think that's what's interesting if it was a bad kid doing this thing it's just you know whatever those stories just bad kid right. doing bad things you right know? it's true there's a sense of uh it's survival right right you know he's not doing it because he wants to get in this racket for a living he's just trying to make as much money as he can because he's trying to support himself and be on his own because of his parents and all that and you know try to figure a way forward so yeah exactly but yeah speaking of the kids being so different from back then and now I have something that's very different from even like Reply 88 kids. But it's older? A lot older. Oh, okay. Even older than you or parents. I was going to say older than you, but like, yeah, of course it's going to be older than you. <laughs> older so, than my parents. I don't so know, I'm pretty old, so. I'm going to say older than your parents. Okay, so tell me, T, what should I watch? I don't know if you're. I don't know if your family was in America at that time. Oh, that's how old it is. That old. Wow, okay. Yeah. My family, I think they came in the late 1800s. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe about that time? I thought you you said your grandparents. No, I mean great-grandparents. Great. I think great-great-grandparents. Oh. So your great-great-grandparents came from Korea? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I you wish. Have nothing, no connection with any no. Asian countries. It's all European. Yeah. German, mostly. Yeah, I can tell, by the way, you're tall, hairy. <laughs> <laughs> and you sweat a lot. <laughs> all right, let's 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 keep track of this podcast here. What are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about something <laughs> very old, like that old. So Korea in that time period so we're talking about the kingdoms or joseon joseon well we're talking about love story actually okay good so there's love story now there are a lot of korean dramas talk about love story but we're going to talk about love story from back in late 19th century gotcha so segue into 20th century very very early 20th century okay so maybe that's kind of where um where like Jane Austen lives a little bit in that time frame. Yeah. But not the uh, you know, English lords and titles and no. all that. This is in Korea, what people were doing in Korea. Exactly. But I was gonna say the time when people wrote letters. And you didn't hear from people for months because they were traveling. That's how it was in Europe. Right. So you wrote a love letter and then, you know, a month later you you read it. Exactly. <laughs> and then a, a month later maybe you see them again. So that's a different kind of Exactly. Love story, right? Yeah. There's no texting like, where you at? Yeah, no, exactly. No yeah. Um, in fact, they didn't probably have time. Did they have time as we know? Time like, let's meet at 4 o'clock. They probably said like, when sun goes down. They, they did. They had time. They had, they used certain words. You're right, for times of the day. Absolutely. Or uh, like, when this flower starts to bloom. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the seasons, yeah. Well, I can only speak to the European 
part. But as far as the Korean, I mean, that country is a lot smaller, so maybe people traveled more. I don't know. Maybe people were it was easier for them to meet their family. I don't think so. I mean, also just though, at that time, North Korea was still. Still Korea. Korea. So it was actually a bigger country. Yeah, it was a bigger country, and the mm-hmm. whole country, 70% of countries, mountains. So right. Just visiting your family next town, meaning you have to climb up a very hilly mountain. And, right. You know, horses? Maybe horses, but, you know, most Koreans, most average Koreans walk? didn't really. Yeah, they just walked. Wow. And they had like a pack, packed mule with their stuff and maybe a little cart attached carriage maybe but i mean like i said they a lot of them just didn't have animals right interesting average people you know so but yeah so i I like that you brought up jane austen because you know jane austen it's everybody knows jane austen right a lot of koreans know jane austen they almost they lived their previous life in england they have no idea what the life was like they have no idea what the political background at the time was like but it's a story just set in, it's a love story that's set in that certain time period, right? Yeah. So, although what I'm going to talk about is a love story, there are a lot of different elements that go into this story. And one of the most important elements in this love story is that Korea was going through very, very, what do you say, like tumultuous? Yeah, tumultuous time. Yeah. For the Korean, the country of Korea. Yeah. And I feel like that shaped what Korea is now. Like a lot. Gotcha. Has a lot to do with that. Cool. So where can we watch this show? What's the title? The title is Mr. Sunshine. Ooh, Mr. Sunshine. But it's actually pronounced Mr. Sunshine. Really? That's actual title, Korean title. So if you are able to read Korean words, you'll notice instead of sunshine, it's written as a shunshine, as in like (laughs) name Sean, somebody. Right. And I guess that's the correct title that the writer wrote because that was the like grammar back then, around 19th century, like how Korea wrote a certain foreign word yeah. Foreign, like, sound into, like, what... Yeah, it's like with what balls and, like... Yeah. Kind of, yeah. So that's what they used back then. Instead of sunshine, they said shunshine. So it's kind of what a Korean person would... How the Korean person would say the word sunshine if they were speaking English. Right. That's kind of really smart and funny because of the, the context of, Mr., of the show. So... I'm going to go straight into the story, and then we're going to talk about what this drama is about. The drama is set in the late 1800s when Seoul was called Hanseng, and Korea was called the Joseon Dynasty. The royal family ruled the country for over 500 years, but there was also social class. Some were born noble and others were born low-class, like servants or market traders. The country was also facing big waves of foreign power, such as America and France. The advisors to the king and queen were divided into pro- or anti-West. In the meantime, 
Japan was exploiting the complex political climate and invaded Korea several times. During this tumultuous time, in 1871, a boy was born as a servant in the noble Kim family. His parents were servants, and so was he. After seeing his parents killed by the nobles, he ran away. An American priest in Korea brought him to the United States, and the boy, Che Yujin, becomes Yujin Choi and grows up regretting nothing about fleeing Joseon. It's the country for the nobles. He joins American Marines and works his way up to become a captain. Then it becomes important for the US to keep Japan and Russia in check, so they decide to station troops in Joseon under the pretext of protecting its citizens. Yujin Choi, who's fluent in both English and Korean, is the perfect captain for this mission, so he comes back to Joseon after leaving the country as a nine year old orphan. Around the time when Yujin left Joseon, a baby girl, Go Eishin, is left behind after the death of a young couple who were engaged in righteous army activities in Japan. She's the granddaughter of the well-known scholar who's a teacher and mentor to the king. Go Eishin grows up to be a lady who everyone in Hansung respects and loves because she possesses beauty and grace. As Western culture is being introduced to Joseon, people say it's the Romantic era. However, Lady Ko's romance and interest is not in coffee, Western clothes, or imported goods, but in guns. Eshin secretly goes to Hunter Zhang to learn shooting, and she wants to fight for her country. But as a noble woman, there's a man whom she's supposed to marry. The arrangement was set between the two families when Eshin was 15. But this fiancé whom she has never met has been in Japan for the past 10 years and there's no sign of him returning. She's not sad and does not care about the rumors. She actually wishes he would never come back so she can carry on with her secret purpose of life. Kim Hee-sung, the only child and son of the wealthy noble Kim family, is the one engaged to Go Eishin. But he's young, funny, and handsome, so he's always in some kind of a romantic relationship. He calls himself a philanthropist, and others call him a playboy. He's been in Japan for the past 10 years because his family is rich and did many things that he's ashamed of. He's supposed to be studying, but he's just avoiding his family. However, he gives in after his mother's outrage, so he comes back to Joseon to get married. He had no expectations about his fiancée, whom he never met, because she was chosen by his grandfather, who was not the most respected noble man. But the moment Hee-sung saw his fiancée, Lady Ko, he regrets delaying the marriage for 10 years. It was love at first sight. Dongmei, the young samurai and the head of the Korean branch of Japanese Yakuza, is Korean. He was born to a butcher family, and the butcher is regarded less than human. As a young boy, he knew he would have to endure a lifelong finger-pointing and humiliation. 
So he ran away, and it was Young Ejin who saved his life. But instead of saying thank you, Young Dongmei told her that she was a clueless noble girl and hurt her feelings. He fled to Japan and became the best samurai and the most notorious Yakuza. But he doesn't call Japan his country. To him, his country is only himself. Lastly, Kudo Hina is a wealthy businesswoman and a Japanese widow. Instead of keeping herself low after the husband's death, she's active in the high society, which is against the social norm in Joseon. It's probably because she grew up as Japanese without learning the Confucian values that are regarded highly in Joseon. But she's not Japanese by birth. Her Korean name is Yi Yanghua. And she's the only child of a man who's recorded as the worst traitor in the history of Korea to this day. Not only selling his country to Japan as the country's prime minister, he sold his young daughter to a wealthy Japanese man. Hina was forced to marry an old man, but she chose to fight rather than cry. And after five years of marriage, when her old husband died, Hina inherited a huge fortune as if being compensated for her lost youth. That is how she became the owner of Glory, the best hotel in Hansung. This is the hot spot where foreigners, Korean nobles, and politicians meet and experience Western culture such as coffee and card games. Even though Hina despises her father and her past, for some reason, She's sticking by her Japanese identity. So you've seen this one. It's yeah. been a few years, right? But you've seen yeah. it? Yeah, yes, I have. I think I watched it through twice. Maybe I watched part of it and then stopped and then I rewatched all of it again. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was such a interesting show and... I think any, anybody who is interested in the country of Korea and how the culture developed from Joseon Dynasty through when, you know, the Japanese occupation, um, this is that kind of, it gives you that understanding. It makes you realize, oh, like, wow, this is, you know, this is what happened and this is why it happened. So, right. yeah, it kind of just filled that gap in my head of, of how, you know, and it made me want to see more like shows like that, like filling in other gaps that oh, I have yeah, in Korean yeah. history. You know, but I think I'll, what's important is that, you know, the show is everything. It's yeah, it gives you that historical context, but also, I mean, you can't just make a historical drama and be like international hit because not everybody's gonna care about like what happened in Korea back then, right? right. So the international common language is love. Yeah. So you know what happens in this drama? It's you know it's very. Um, I don't know. I don't even know how to like put in words. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a love story, and it's it's a love story between, um, obviously a man and a woman who are very different in a way, but they have things in common and it's kind of a metaphor also for what's happened in that time. Right. Yeah. And, 
I think what's cool is how all the characters are developed and yeah, the thread through every episode is that, oh yes, there is this, this thing happening between these two people. Right. You know, um, the actual historical stuff that goes along with it is just like adds so much color and context and it makes it more thoughtful. It fleshes out the story and it's just so entertaining in that way too. Right. Because you, you ultimately, if you know, you know what happens, you know, you kind of already know that, oh, Japan's going to come in and occupy the country. Right. That's, yeah. you know, essentially, you know, whatever's happening, they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Japan's going to win this, in this way. So that's kind of also part of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, like, because you know a little bit about what's going to happen in the drama right because it was a historical event that we already know about you think like why do i watch this then you know but that's not why we watched pocahontas right yeah <laughs> <laughs> or like i don't know some yeah, other historical like you know that what was that like epic drama that hbo did like pacific or something yeah they did the yeah. band of brothers band of brothers yeah and then the pacific war yeah so, I mean, there's a reason we still watch those, you know. It's not just about shooting each other and bombing, you know. There, There's humanities, there's a, things happening in the show, right? Yeah. So, there are eight more episodes for Watch What I Watch, including this episode until my one-year anniversary episode. Wow. And the reason I picked this one and spending two weeks... This is two parts. It's because um, August 15th is one of the biggest holidays in Korea. It's Korean Independence Day. Yay. And this year marks 78th anniversary. Wow. That's great. So it's still pretty new. It hasn't been even 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. And... I think I read somewhere that, like, now Mr. Sunshine became, like, sort of the the drama that, like, they air around this time of the oh, year okay. in Korea. That's great. That's um, a good point. Yeah. that That's funny how that happens, right? The culture adopts certain, like, in America, we watch certain things right, right. on the 4th of July or right. Bicentennial, like, when it's, like, around, you know when we broke free from the country or around Christmas time, there's certain things that just kind of you go in. Right. So yes, this show is on Netflix. And in fact, it costs a lot of money to make this drama. I think it was like 40 million. I don't think it's 400 million. I can't remember exactly. It was 40 million, 400 million, something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Netflix put some money in it. Yeah. They're not. It's not Netflix original, right. but they invested a little bit. So it's on Netflix now. It came out in 2018, so it's been about five years, but it really doesn't feel like... Um, no, it's it's a period piece, obviously. So it's got the <laughs> right. costumes and the set design, like all that stuff's really well done and expensive yeah. and... Uh, well, yeah, one of the... Like what you said, that they are going to... They kind of watch it around this time every year now. Um, it's really, they've created kind of a timeless classic, you know? Yeah. And, and it yeah. tells that story of, you know, all the things that your people and your ancestors are thinking about at this time. And 
or your family, I should say, your family's thinking about your ancestors and what we went through and it's the time to reflect. And this is the perfect show to kind of bring you into that world again, you know? Right. The reason this drama came out in 2018 is because that was the 99th year anniversary of Korean provisional government. And this provisional government is, it really means a lot. But yeah, that uh, 2018 was a special year, so that's why they released this. And this is written by a really big writer, Kim Moon-suk. Her previous shows include The Goblin Yay. and The Descendants of the Sun. That was so popular all over the country and internationally. For some reason, it wasn't for me, but yeah, she's a big-name writer. And she did Mr. Sunshine with the director she always worked with, who also created Goblin and Descendants of the Sun together, Young Book. So they're like, you know, the big perfect duo. Right. Is there anything else they've done? Uh, those two are the ones the that biggest? they did together. And that director guy, Young Book, now he's on to Sweet Home. So. He's on to something completely different. Okay. Yeah, all the monster stuff. But yeah, so they planned this ahead and they spent a lot of money. They shot 24 episodes. This is a long show. You have to spend a lot of time. Kind of like a, you know, the hospital playlist. Yeah, you're, you're in this one. I think the, especially the world is so different. Right. Because right. you have no frame of reference yeah, for exactly. yourself you're immersed fully immersed and i remember thinking like oh i really don't kind of want this to end <laughs> yeah you know even though there were 24 episodes yeah but also like every episode is kind of like a you know movie itself like yeah. in terms of art and right. you know storyline and so it doesn't feel like you're just dragged into this thing like you're really like you said immersed and watching and appreciating every episode yeah they kind of are little uh, movies that build on each other you started watching it knowing nothing about Korea like what happened back then what the context is anything but you were able to get into the story regardless of knowledge or whatnot right yeah like I said it was kind of a gap period for my my knowledge I had read some stuff about occupation and then I knew about when you know after D-Day but I didn't know that period between those two times and I think the stuff that surprised me too was all the other foreign oh yeah you know people that were involved in Korea exactly it's not just between Korea and Japan what happened yeah Yeah. it's kind of like a you know like older story of what happens in still rain you know yeah like what if kind of situation North Korea and South Korea but that kind of all the relationship with other countries and political right you know still happened back then yeah it and affected really what happened yeah I was uh, you know the French the Americans obviously I didn't under, you know I didn't know about the Battle of Sangwa or Gangwa Gangwa yeah. Battle of Gangwa that was really enlightening reading about that and they show the battle scene in, right. in the in the show which is probably one of the first time that's ever been like shown 
you know what's interesting about that battle? Yeah. So Koreans say Battle of Ganghwa or there are some other names. When you look up that event in America or like on Google in from English, yeah, they just say Expedition to Korea. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's all they say. There's nothing about resistance of Korean army. There's nothing about being violent. It just says the expedition to Korea. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember like. I don't know what what I was on, but I remember in like really trying to figure that out. Yeah. After watching that show, and um, I read a lot about it, and you know how many people, how many Koreans died, but how they fought and stayed, and like didn't care that they were out, sort of, you know, numbered with uh, ammunition and weaponry and all that. Yeah. So yeah, that, there's a reason they show that part in the show because the main character Eugene Choi, he. He gets on that ship. I, I think it's Colorado, the, yeah. the battleship Colorado or something. Um, he gets on that ship to come to America. Right. So you know it happens. This show starts from a little before the Japanese occupation. Yeah. And I think that's what's interesting because there are some movies and TV shows that cover during Japanese occupation and right. what people go through, how cruel time it was, but. Nothing really covers in detail, like before that that time, the transitional time. Yeah. How Korea was slowly sucked into this international political, right. you know, situation. But yeah, I always think about a lot of, um, you know, Nazi camp movies and yeah. shows like that. There are a lot of stories regarding, you know, what Jewish people had to go through, right. and it's about the same. Time period. The yeah. gas chamber happened what, like seventy-seven years ago, something like that, right? Nineteen forty-five is when the World War Two ended. So it's right. a, we went through about the same time period. Yet there right. was so much education, like media education, about what happened and how you know done to these people. Right. Yet there are not a lot about like what happened. Korea or what Japan did to a lot of Asian countries, not just Korea. Right. You know, that, Chinese as well, yeah. Yeah. And even their ambition to take over Russia, the whole Manchuria, you know, that part is really not much well known, including the rising sun flag, which you yeah. see a lot in this drama. Yeah. You know, that's that flag is another name is rising sun is what Japanese call the flag, but Koreans call, or like other Asian countries call, war flag or imperial army flag. Yeah, and it's just as taboo and just as like difficult for Asian people to see it as for Jewish people to see the swastika. Yeah, yeah, and even like when you watch news or something, like you know now there's a lot of anti-Jewish. Like anti-Semitism, you know, right. crimes being done, they blur swastika. Right. It's that sensitive material. Yet, like people don't understand, especially Americans and non-Asian people. Even some Asian people, young generation, they don't understand what rising sun flag, what that design means. Yeah. How like difficult for people to face that. Right. You know. So I think that kind of education, like it's interesting why that's not widely covered. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I think the um, it, you're right. It's education. It's uh, 
you know, there was so much media and propaganda and education about what happened to the yeah. Jewish people. Yeah. And because it was Europe and it was European and because it was a reason for why we were fighting and all of that was, you know, it, they took time and created those like campaigns for specifically Americans in Western culture to get behind this whole war. Probably. Right, exactly. So when the Pacific War was happening, it kind of came a little bit later in a sense. And it was clear that they were like talking about how whatever, you know, they were making fun of the Japanese, the way they looked, whatever. But there wasn't the same understanding. And I think part of that is because the difference between Asian culture and whatever Jewish culture was happening the Asian culture tends to not want to project that. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they go inward and they feel, I don't know, for lack of a better term, shame or, or Yeah, whatever. exactly. That's one part of it. So it takes longer for that information to get out just because of the nature of the people it happened to, maybe. The other part is I think it had to do with the bomb. Mm. I think because Americans dropped the bomb, then they were probably ashamed and didn't want to bring light to the things that they did. Yeah. Which then made it harder for us to learn about what happened in Korea and other Asian countries from Japan. Yeah. But anyway, in short, um, <laughs> if you did not know, please do not use Rising Sun flag. If you cannot proudly wear swastika or have that as your tattoo or anything like that, it's exactly the same thing. It is not something of vintage Japan kind of thing. It It is same as swastika. Yeah. But anyway, I talked a lot of, talked about a lot of things. My point was that, um, you know, I read uh, in Frank's diary when I was like in, yeah, like, I don't know, third grade or something. It was like I, I mean, reading. No, not, nothing like that. I was us. just a bookworm. I'm saying, but for us, uh, that for was you, like yeah, exactly. Reading, yeah. But I mean, for me, like I, just, I was just a bookworm when I was a kid, so yeah. I just read everything I could, and you know, I had no idea what. I mean, I was in Korea, and like that whole Nazi, and you know, that's not something that you learn in Korean school, right? I mean, you learn later, but not the right. not the first thing. So I read it, and although I had no idea what that was about, like I related to this kid, and just the feeling knowing that, you know, oh, you're completely lost of your freedom and you're yeah. in this dire situation and I think about that whenever like watching dramas or movies like this and I think because the base is the humanity and what we feel what we how we project our feelings right. in a certain situation I just don't want you to get scared of this period piece like yes it is like period piece Mr. Sunshine is but you don't have to know any uh, knowledge or, you know, I just, I think people were like, whoa, this is not like, you know, modern soul love story. So like, right. I'm not going to watch that, you know? No. I mean, I think there's a reason, uh, what's that thing? Abby? Downton Abbey. <laughs> Downton Abbey. Uh, I think there's a reason Downton Abbey became international hit, you know? Yeah, like, it's the it's the stories. It's, it's popular in Korea, but like yeah. Koreans have no idea what you know life was yeah, like exactly. back then. You know. Well, this is this show is very entertaining. That's that's all it is, and it's about people. That's it, just like you said. Yeah, same thing. Like Mr. Sunshine is about people. It's 
you know, it's a love story, if I were to summarize briefly. Well, these, all these characters believe in something. That's the thing. So I feel like, you know, my summary was largely based on the characters, but I feel like there are two axes in the show. Yeah. Two-story two arc, two-story axis. Uh, one is that love story um, surrounding Miss Ko and the uh, three men. But the other is, you know, it's the people who fight for what they believe in. Yeah. You know, whether, you know, in modern day, whether that's your dream or trying to win the lottery, which is <laughs> now what, like billion, mega million or something yeah. is going crazy up. Um, yeah, it's just fighting for something you believe in. You know, back then for Koreans, it was their country. You know, they were trying to keep their country from all these foreign powers trying to take over. So, you know, it's really well crafted how those two axes are like braided into one big arc. Yeah, I think that's the 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 bigger the big picture too but, but when you like scan in on these characters what i found was so interesting is it's not as black and white these characters aren't just like oh i'm fighting for my country it's very complex yeah like every character has different ties to different allegiances and different understandings of how they want the world to be they're very human issues they're selfish or they're unselfish or they're protecting someone or protecting something or they're fighting for someone or someone else or they're you know it's crazy how how well these characters and they're given so much time over these episodes for you to kind of get in there and realize oh this person isn't just this it's they're also this you know right and it's like such a cool contrast like it's a dichotomy you have this korean soldier not soldier but you have this korean person who's a samurai yeah. But he also kind of works independently where he's not controlled by anyone or he's trying to. Right. So wait, is he for Japanese? Is he for Korea? No, he's for himself, but also Exactly. He is for for all those things, but he's also, you know, he cares about certain things. So each person has a different thing, which, you know, you talk about in your summary a little bit. So I think that's what makes the show so watchable. It's exactly. not really about it's not the historical drama. That's just a background for these characters to kind of really develop and right. tell their stories. And and I think even the love line is that, you know, it's not typical like love triangle kind of thing because it shows the type of love these men have for right. Misko. It's not just straight up like, like for example, like Eros. Yeah. There's some platonic, there's some like, you know, different type of love-hate kind of love. Right. You know. And I think that's really interesting how with their belief about Korea or non-belief in Korea that's intertwined with their love and their emotions, you know. It's true. And that's a little different than sort of what we're talking about with the Jane Austen effect. Right, right. There's similarities (laughs) because in the Jane Austen, it's a lot of longing and romance because these people don't see each other, but they think about them. Right. And they're not it's not like they're with them and they can't like spend the night with them. You know, it's not a quick like, oh, we had sex and now we're together every night. No, it's like you rarely have the opportunity and there's all these, you know, positioning. Can I marry this person? No, they don't have enough money. All that kind of stuff. That's the Jane Austen thing. Right. This is this is like, oh, 
the sort of Korean version. Like these are the problems that these people would have had to face if they wanted to even try to get together. And ultimately, you know, no spoilers or anything, but is that even going to work out? Yeah. Or, and does it matter? Like what is, what is the importance of love? Is it to have it or is it the end product, you know? So, so many like romantic comedies or whatever just show, oh, they get married at the end. And that's the end of the story. Well, that's not really how it works in real life, you know. The end of the story is not when they get married. That's when their life sort of begins, (laughs) you know. You know, it's funny you just brought that up because there's a Korean drama that was really popular. I watched first episode or so, um, but I I was really busy at the time. I couldn't finish it. It's called um, Confession Couple or something like that. Confession of Married Couple or something like that. So that drama starts off from like when, when the two married. are married, right? That's perfect. I love that idea. Because the idea is like, why do all these romantic comedy, like romance show talk about like happily ever after, but it's never right. happily ever after. So <laughs> these married couple, they fight to the death. Like right. they're like every single day, that's what they do. Like they just can't have no more conversation. They just can't like, and then they dream about when they first met in college. Uh. So it's the, you know, a story of like, you know, like very real life married couple kind of thing and i mean that that was so huge among like married koreans yeah, i guess something for them to kind of <laughs> but anyway you you mentioned this i thought well about uh, that's kind of cool it makes me think there could be a whole genre because rom-coms are pre-marriage so there could be a whole genre of like married rom-com or something you know where it's like a whole different context But yeah, what's interesting is when you think about it, because you watched it, there's no single kiss yeah, in this entire 24 it. episodes. Yeah. There's uh, nothing physical. There was a kiss, though, right? No. There wasn't? No. I thought for sure they did. I made sure because I... You double-checked? Yeah, I double-checked. <laughs> okay, I fact-checked. Yet, I feel like this is one of the best love story I've ever seen. Right. Like the emotions so intense and that, like you said, longing and that Miss Ko used the word. It's that flame, you know. Yeah. You know, it's funny when we watch love stories on film or in TV shows, we have the benefit of seeing both sides and understanding and knowing what each person is feeling. But in a love story, the person who's in love only knows what they feel. Right. Right? So we're seeing these two characters and, like, how they really feel about each other. And for us, it's like, okay, just get together, you know? But, <laughs> yeah. But that's not, that's not how it is in real life. Right. You don't know. Yeah. And especially back then, you didn't know. Exactly. It was a lot harder to understand and a lot more complicated. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really well done. And I think that makes that bond so much stronger without even, you know, you have those moments of connection or whatever. Yeah. So the actors who were in the show are pretty big, um, especially the guy who played Eugene Choi, Lee Byung-hun is his name. He's most recent one is, there are some Korean dramas, but he's well known for international viewers for Squid Game. He's the big master behind the mask. Yeah, yeah that's right. And The brother. I, yeah, I feel like that role was, he was it was almost like, Camille, like yeah, he, he didn't, didn't he didn't do a lot of work. It was yeah, like one or two episodes. <laughs> but he's like he's such a big actor, so he's just like you know what, they'll be fun. I'll just 
you know, pop in a little bit for a couple of scenes. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like impactful. It's like putting Brad Pitt in your movie exactly. without showing him until yeah. later. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big deal. But he started in Hollywood. I mean, he's been doing acting for you know since early '90s or so. But he started in Hollywood with a um, movie called GI Joe. I don't know if you heard of it. And Red with Bruce Willis. Yeah. And this is this was like 2010, 20. Those are big. 2010, 2012. Yeah. You know, and those are both big budget films. Right. When you think about now, like yes, Hollywood is a lot more diverse. But even just 10 years ago, like 2010, 2012, like they didn't care about that. You know. Right. Why would they have some Korean actor who wasn't even born in Korea? I mean, born in America. Like right. his native language is not English. So why would they? cast this person all of a sudden like and you know so the fact that he was able to penetrate that world yeah is huge and i think it's really solely based on his acting he's such a good actor right um yeah it makes me want to go watch those two movies now (laughs) yeah i mean his role wasn't really huge yeah he was of course you know but both of those are like uh not single star kind of movies they're more ensemble casts I, i like red red is funny yeah yeah so that's, but he's he's older, you know, he's born in 1970, so he's older, he's getting up there. And the girl who played Miss Ko, she was almost kind of like a new actress. She did little things here and there, but yeah. she was pretty still new. And Until that movie that she did that hit America. Which is? Uh, I think it was Handmaiden. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was... Uh, Park Chan-wook, yeah. Yeah, so she was the second female. She's that. the maid. Yeah, She's the maid, yeah. yeah. And she, like, I remember seeing that in the theater. Yeah. And I was like, wow, she's really good. Yeah, yeah. But um, that was, like, I mean, that wasn't as big in America as, like, some Korean films are now, but that was pretty big. That was, yeah. And it I was, think that was still pretty... That was big enough because of Park Chano who did yeah. Old Boy. And, right, you know, exactly. That's probably why he was able to spread it. Right. He had some clout. But yeah, at the time when she shot Mr. Sunshine, she was still pretty new-ish. Um, and she's young, you know. The She's born in 1990. So there's 20 years age gap between Lee Byung-hun and Miss Ko character. Wow. So when the viewers, when the the public first heard that they're like what are you serious you're gonna make a love story with 20 year old like what is this is there some kind of criminal like situation going on you know wow but you don't really feel that when you watch no. this right they're both just beautiful koreans so it's yeah. not like you <laughs> it's not like you can even tell how old he is right i mean but also like he looks pretty young he looks for young. his age actually yeah. i think she looks young too she's kind of a young looking type of yeah yeah female but yeah, that's even surprising that they're that far apart. I wouldn't have thought. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have twenty years that. apart. That's but crazy. yeah, you don't really feel that, and you don't feel like he's like a pedophile or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, you know, even as a Korean, knowing like the age gap, like the reason I was able to get into that story is because that's how well written the show, right. like the love line and their emotions and what you go through and with the time, you know, the historical background, you know. But, you know, Kim Terry, um, that's her name. She's, I think she's gotten pretty big now and she's currently in this screen show called Revenant. Oh, okay. And 
I'm never never gonna watch this. This is a remember when I mentioned like Koreans watch scary show in the summer. Yeah. So this is the scary it's show right this <laughs> year. So it's something like kind of like she's being possessed or something. I don't um, know. I don't know. I'm not. I don't even like watching like poster. Yeah, huh? I'm trying to stay far. But like whenever I go onto like Reddit or like Korean drama kind of like online yeah. website, they all always talk about Revenant. So I'm like, uh, click click click. I'm trying to pass a page. <laughs> so she's in that one. She's also in Twenty Five Twenty. That's also on Netflix. Yeah, that's um, right. There that was one. a movie too that was popular, but it's older. She's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, now she's pretty big. But when she was cast in this one, Mr. Sunshine, um, you know, people didn't really know about her and the age gap. Like people weren't really sure. And the fact that she mm. was in the show of Kim Eun Sook, such a big name writer, people right. were like what kind of risk are they taking here right. you know but like you so don't have to worry about huh? yeah but it's so well done despite all the worries and people gossip talk and you know there's a uh, there's an american actor actor called his name is david mcginnis uh-huh. he's a friend of colleague of eugene Choi. yeah Remember the him? captain yeah he's the captain of american whatever i guess their army Back then. They're Marines, Navy? I believe. Marines? Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, they were Marines because they had the, the logo. And I yeah. remember thinking like, oh, that logo is still the same. Simplify. Yeah. Yeah, the blue, the blues, the, they have the blue uniform. Yeah. Marines. So I saw David McInnes here twice, maybe three times. Wow. Yeah, I recognize him right away. <laughs> he looks exactly the same. And he had like a big dog. Um, That's cool. Yeah, he looks exactly the same. So he's... Part Korean, part American. Yeah, or? I think, um, I think his mom is Korean. It gotta be right because his last name is McGinnis. Yeah, I guess so, so. Yeah. So dad's not Korean. Yeah, but he's American. So he speaks. I mean, he only speaks English in this show. Right, but I think he speaks some, some Korean. Korean. Yeah. Because he's been in other Korean stuff too, right? Right. Yeah. That's cool. And in fact, I think he's also in Descendants of the Sun. Okay. But yeah, a lot of. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Um, Yu Yun-seok, who plays that Yakuza samurai yeah. gang. Um, oh, he's so good. He's in a lot of... He does a lot of stuff. Like, he's never... I don't think he ever goes on vacation. He's, like, <laughs> always on, like, TV shows or movies or something. He's recently in, like, Dr. Romantic. This is going on to season three. It's a medical show that's about some special doctor kind of thing. He's in that one... Um, you know, he's in Hospital Playlist that was also a really long show. So, yeah, he's always doing something. He has a lot of women fans. And with all these really good actors, whether they're main or sub, I kind of feel like they're, you know, all the sub characters here, they're also super great. They're Yeah. Some of them are really big name character actors yeah. too. Yeah, they definitely are. But yeah, um, they really help the show to be at like a near perfect level in my opinion and you know this drama is on Rotten Tomatoes it has 96% rating wow yeah I don't know who gave that 4% minus factor <laughs> and this one critic from her name is Courtney Jackson hi Courtney um, she said Mr. Sunshine is one of the most highly rated K-dramas in the genre so I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, 
I agree with that. And there's this website, um, Asian Wiki, Asian Drama Wiki. I can't remember. I bookmarked it. I go there to check, like, you know, some facts and stuff like that. Right. Um, that's more like a viewer kind of review kind of like comments. Yeah. Gotcha. I read a lot of comments. I read a lot of comments on this one that said, like, I watched this. Like, kind of like you, like, I watched, like, twice or three times or... Somebody was saying, like, I started watching this when I was busy. I wish I hadn't because right. this is something you have to, like, really get into, <laughs> you know. Yeah, a lot of, not just positive, but, like, people always put this on the top of all Korean dramas. Yeah, and I, on, honestly, I would watch it again. I think because the stories are so rich and there's so much packed in to, yeah. to what's happening. And, you know, you're, you're going to learn something every time, every time you watch it. The only thing I'm kind of sad or wish it would be better is that, you know, when you watch this as non-Korean, yeah, um, you can't really get that feel of the nuance because they talk in a certain style of Korean. Okay. Because this is like 19th century, right? Right. So they don't use it. Same as in English, you know, when you watch like Downton Abbey or like something period piece, like the way they talk is a little different. Right. Maybe not to the like Shakespeare extreme, you know, but right. it's a little different. Like, yeah, the vernacular has changed. So, right. It's a. Uh... Because the big fact in this drama is that, you know, the social level. Right. Like, Miss Ko is some, somebody of noble family not just noble and rich but she's from a scholar's family which is a very highly regarded in korean right culture even to this day um so the way she talks is very different the way she says should we go now yeah it's different than how eugene Choi or her servants or hina the hotel girl right like the way she says should we go now is very different but in subtitle the only way you can put that is, should we go now, right? Yeah. So. I remember they kind of talk about it, like it's in the context of the script, where it's like, oh, oh, that's right, I have to be formal to you, or, you know. Right. They have too. little, little yeah. things they do, which kind of cues you in, but right. you're right, it's still not the same. Yeah. And the way you can tell is that also, um, you know, he's on character. He's from the noble family. He's typically typical like noble man from rich noble family but yeah. the family is kind of like whatever they're trashy they're a trashy rich family you know so he uses certain like he uses certain noble language right but because he wasted his years in japan like just wasting their family money or right whatever, this is the guy that playing has bum. the paper right yeah it starts the paper later on so He's kind of in between. You can tell the way he talks. He's yeah. very, like, informal in a certain way. It's such a good character because he knows how to talk. Yeah. Like, he's very in the middle. Like, right. Because he's kind of ashamed of his family, so right. he doesn't want to portray himself as that this noble rich man. But because he's grown a certain way, he can't get away from it. So yeah. he still uses <laughs> that language, but, like, he's very, like, informal, casual yeah. a certain time. He's kind of want, wanting to be a man of the people, but right. he's obviously not. Yeah. Because of his upbringing. I mean, it doesn't get in the way of enjoying the drama, but that kind of nuance is not. It's just something that I wish. It's kind of yeah. the same thing like when you watch Crash Landing on You. Yeah. I mean, Crash Landing on You got huge, like, international, 
you know, popular show. Right. And I'm sure the subtitle did just fine job. But if you could tell the difference between North Korean and the South Korean, yeah. the you know, because the North Korean language is pretty different. So yeah, it just adds more fun to watching. Like same thing with Steel Rain, you know, when you watch something from North Korea, involve North Korea. It adds more fun when you watch it, but yeah, like, it's like a layer, another layer. Yeah, that obviously American people that don't know the Korean language are not <laughs> going to understand. But still, Mr. Sunshine is still on Netflix. Um, still, you know, one of highly rated, viewed drama by international viewers. So I'm sure the subtitle did just fine. You will have no problem enjoying this show. I want to talk a little bit about how this even happened, like how did Japan came to Korea? Like, is it overnight takeover? Is it like what happened? Like, you know, but I don't want to bore anyone from the first <laughs> episode of you know, like okay, history one on one. Here's what I. So I'm not gonna do that, but I think I have to talk about it a little bit in terms of. You can talk about it a little bit. So I'm gonna we're gonna do that. A little bit next week, but not okay. too much. Good, but just enough to give context, right? Because uh, Miss Ko's parents, right, killed doing something before Japan took over to prevent that, you know, right. And there's a scene that Korean Quinn is slashed, so that too, and why the Kudohina, the hotel girls. Dad is working for Japan, you know that right. kind of context. So I think it's helpful just to understand the drama a little better, not just to give you the history lesson. So we'll do that next week. And you know, for the other Asian listener or Asian American listener, Asian European listener, I think this is interesting fact because it involves some of the Chinese history, Russian history, and even Philippines. Yeah, because one of the reasons that Korea went into this dark period is because America again, <laughs> kind of like North Korea South Korea situation. Yeah, uh, America. It involves Philippines. Yeah, America has problems with that. <laughs> yeah, so America did something involving the Philippines in 1905, and that also affected. What happened in Korea? So a lot of that stuff. But yeah, I'm not trying to like be nerdy here. I think it's helpful to understand the drama a little better. And if it involves your mother country's history a little bit, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, I mean, I if think, you're like Filipinos I think it's interesting. Russia, hey, isn't it crazy? Like Russia was still involved even then. Yeah, it's <laughs> always been the case, man. <laughs> That's the joke in all the movies. It, it, kidding me? It's the Russians again? <laughs> again, the Russians? And sure enough, yeah. Um, well, it makes me think about Vietnam, too. Yeah, yeah. Because that was just another, like, history repeating itself. Yeah, yeah. So this is a long drama. You don't have to wait until my second episode of Mr. Sunshine. You can go ahead and start watching it. You will not regret it, but just make sure you have enough time to finish the first episode. Because once you start click the first episode, you're going to have to finish that. And probably the second episode, and third, and fourth, and fifth, and so on. 
Yeah, please watch and then also let us know what you think. Yeah. What's your favorite character? Uh, like the actual written character or the actor or just all the written above? character, like as in character. I think the samurai guy. Really? He's probably uh. he's up there. I also like the. Uh, I mean, I like the acting of the Japanese guy. Not the dad. The, the older Japanese? No, or not the, the young the, one? The young one. He's oh ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he just... Oh, my God. The fear that you have to have in order to, like, achieve what he achieved with that. <sighs> and how, um, you know, those early scenes where he's talking to the Choi. Eugene Choi, yeah, yeah, as friends. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, he's definitely... I mean, he's he's doing a lot of stuff now. Yeah. But I think still everyone calls him like because not sometimes you don't remember his <laughs> I name, can't right? Imagine, yeah. Everybody calls him the, the, the Japanese. Like yeah, that's you what can't he calls. Get over that. Yeah, because his acting was so good and so intense, and just the character itself too. Yeah, and I also really like her. I think she's really good. Miss Ko. Yeah, just because she, you know, she kind of plays the princess, but she shows that fight. Like you have to have that fight in order to be believable in what she's doing on the side. Is that what Elsa is like? Elsa is princess, but she's a fighter? Maybe. Who's Elsa? Is that mermaid? Let it go. <laughs> let it go. That's my singing of the yeah, day. Yeah, you had to sing today. What's that movie? Frozen. No idea. Oh, okay. Frozen. Frozen. Gotcha. Isn't she, isn't she like, is that why Never she's seen it. singing like, let it go? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that why she's singing it? No idea. I feel like Disney has some characters like that. She's princess, but like fighter. Yeah. I could see that. It's not always believable for me. Their their characters are like too, like perfect. Too too yeah. Disney. Yeah. yeah. Let it go. <laughs> I don't know the lyrics next time. But I think that's the part where, you know, they do really well. She does really well with that. Yeah. Yeah. She's believable as like a fighter who's like wanting to you know, do good for the cause. Yeah. But also trying to remain in her station as, you know, a noble. Right. And that's that's probably one of the hardest roles. She's like in every episode. I also like her mentor. And I like the pottery guy. But those are all actors I like too, so Yeah. Just an a- as an actor, right? Yeah. yeah. They're they're big time actors. Was, yeah, it's yeah. it's good. There's a lot of good people. But yeah, I think my favorite's probably the samurai guy. Yeah. Yeah, his character and his emotions are very complex. Yeah. And also the way, the feeling he has for Miss Ko is very complex. But uh-huh. we'll get into the next week. Yeah. And the way he portrays it. I, th- I like characters who I don't, I don't necessarily understand <laughs> everything that they're trying to deal with. Why do you make your life so complicated? It's like, if someone is just clearly, okay, this is what they're doing. But like, wait, what? What is going on? That makes me want to watch more, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. You're just making your life complicated, though. (laughs) Maybe. I like to solve problems. Let it go. Let it go. That should be my mantra. Let it go, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's getting hot. See you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.